On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Ah, uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, uh, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 bang, bang, bang! How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Tall Can Audio. I am Michaela. He is Matt. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Not too bad. Yeah? Not too bad. It's right. uh, that weird, the, the, I like to call it the worst week of the year. Mm. Um, you know, that back to school week where it's Wednesday, but feels like Friday and also Monday at the same time. Uh, and everything happens this week all the time. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, all, all things considered. I just assumed the worst week of the year was always like the first week, second week of February when the Sens were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Oh, that, that joke is hilarious because we used to make it with the Leafs not that long ago. Now we now it's just the first round. Well, for now, the shoe is on the other foot. That is true. That is true. And uh, the Sens, you know, for for all of their missing of the playoffs, rewarded their GM this week, and we'll get into that later. That but we have very important business to get into first, and that is, Matt, what are you drinking? So uh, I think I mentioned on the last show with uh, with Rob, episode 871, that, uh, and certainly a people who caught episode 869, our buddy Matty Lang was... Uh, Joined me at the lake for an episode of the show. Lots of Leafs talk, lots of Raptors talk. He brought me a ton of uh, of Toronto beers. I handed him off a pile of uh, Kawartha beers, and and like I think it just sort of turned out we've gotten old. Like we both brought a lot of beer, but yet both nights were like respectable time, ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Just like all right, why don't we shut it down? <laughs> the days of pounding them to the point where you're going to have an awful next morning, these things uh, all gone. So he left me some Toronto beers, tried one of them on the last show. Uh, this is one of the uh, the Kawartha beers that I didn't get to with him. Uh, I have mentioned this brewery before, kind of uh, reasonably new in Bob Cajun. It's called the Old Dog Brewing Company, and uh, all their uh, their naming conventions based on uh, your favorite pooches from around the world Aww. had a couple of uh, yeah a couple of um, chihuahuas which were Mexican loggers uh, had the British bulldog a couple of times um, but this is the Mad Dog APA so we're going with an American pale ale today you and I have talked about this a bunch of times sometimes it's uh, it's good sometimes it's not that that APA label 
leaves a lot uh, of room for for interpretation and what each individual brewery might do with it. I don't think I've had this one before, so we're going to check in on that. What about you? What do you got going on? So today I am going on the lighter side and uh, I was digging through the fridge and found one of these left over from my last trip to Calabogie and I have a Valley Light Pale Ale. So kind of some like the it's pale a, ale nice name. Beer, yeah. It is a nice beer and it's nice and light because speaking of old dogs, I'm old. <laughs> and uh, like I you said, you don't this get week, to say that as long as I'm barking out in front of you here. That's true. That's it makes me always, feel terrible. I always hang out with older people because right. I'm always the young one. <laughs> Um, but, uh, like I said, this, this week is just a gong show and I've got a, a ton of shit going on and I need to be up early tomorrow. So I was like, you know what? Something light tonight. Okay. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, going to be an old dog today and, uh, go with the Valley light pale ale. I, I do like that one in terms of a light beer. It is one of my favorites and, and the good people over at Calabogie Brewing Company, they are, uh, you know, frequent visitors to, uh, the tall can audio, um, social media feeds because you quite often like it's not uncommon for you to be checking in with something from calabogie in fact last week you were having the uh, the calabogie that's right I, oh my God, IPA. this is how much i drink calabogie <laughs> so so we hear from them a lot we get uh, a lot of likes a lot of shares okay, a lot good. of retweets on uh, from the good people over at calabogie because we love their beer and so we're into it pretty often i should ask you though before we go any further what'd you think of the little uh little shout out we got last week from the ottawa life magazine Loved it. Yes. Loved it. We're part of uh, the, what was it? The Ottawa's best podcast or podcast of Ottawa? Yeah, top whatever podcasts, Ottawa-based podcast of 2021. It's uh, It was They're, a little vague in the description, but we'll take it. We'll take it. We're in there with the interview, dude. So look at us. Yeah. If we could ever catch those guys, I've interacted with them a couple times on Twitter and said, every time I think I would really, I would really like to reach out and get that guest. I find like a day later, they're like, by the way, here's that guest on the interview, dudes. So uh, shout out to those guys. They run an awesome show. There was also one from the Ottawa Hospital um, that I would imagine you might be familiar with. Maybe not, but yeah, so that's our foundations podcast. Okay, so So they were on there as well. Um, Locked on Sends, I think, was another one that was on there. I thought it was cool. And I I should say, because I feel like it's taken a bit of a beating over the pandemic but the thing that I, I can remember talking to you about it when you uh when you joined up signed up for a, a tall can audio membership um and when rob and i started the show and we started having guests in i wanted it to feel like a group of friends sitting around the pub table just having a pint and talking about sports or whatever was going on in their life that week right that was sort of the goal that i had but you don't always know that what you picture in your head is what other people are hearing or, or seeing. And so the last word in their art, or the last phrase in their article that they used really hit me quite nicely. I enjoyed a lot because it said, uh, after a brief description of the podcast, it's the group of friends you wish you had. You're like, that's Aww. amazing. That's exactly the vibe we're going for here. And it's been harder through the pandemic. Um, your dogs in the background there have yeah, seen they, somebody. They are the friends that that uh, you wish you had right now. They're, I'm sorry. They're vibing. We're getting something delivered, and okay. I think it arrived. Or I'm being burgled because I'm home alone right now. Okay, so if I suddenly be. stop talking, well, it sounds tell like you've got my story. a security team right all over. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> um, but that that hit me just right, right? Like because that's the vibe that we've been going for on this show, and I have 
have been a little bit worried that through the pandemic that's taken a beating or that maybe we've lost a little bit of that trying to do these online. But having, you know, uh, the publication there, Ottawa Life magazine, kind of end with that sentence was like, okay, good. Like, that's exactly the vibe I'm hoping to have here. Yeah, and that's not an easy aesthetic to to reach, right? Like, I, I lot of, a lot of podcasts, especially in the early days of podcasting, would often say, especially sports podcasts, like, we want to be, yep. like, sitting around the bar and having a conversation with your friends. And Jeff Merrick said this once, and it always stood out to me. He said, have you ever heard those pub conversations? <laughs> would you pay to listen to that, or would you voluntarily listen to that? No. <laughs> But I think the key is it's not that it's not that you want to overhear a conversation at a pub. It's that you want to be a part of it. Yes. And I think that's the key. And I think we we accomplished that here. And obviously, yep. it's resonated with other people. But I think that's the key when people say they want to be that conversation you have in a pub with your friends. It's that you are a part of it. That's exactly it. And you you know whether you're listening in your car or wherever, you feel like you could jump in at any moment and and I say hope your you do. Piece. Like, and I'm sure yeah. people do. I've gotten tweets before that said. When you guys were going on about such and such, I'm yelling at my my phone or my radio like, no, that's not, I don't care if you agree or disagree. I want you to feel part of the conversation like that, right? Yeah. So, uh, Yell so at ha- your radio, for God's <laughs> sakes. Send us your tweets. Send us your uh, whatever you got going on. I don't know if you had a chance. Um, I know you've had a, a crazy week, but Rob and I discussed on the Tuesday morning show instead of Monday morning this week with it being a long weekend. Um, songs that men, without shame, full-chested, belt out, that are originally sung by female performers. I don't necessarily want to ask you to rat out your husband, but is there a song that you have seen someone in your life, anyone at all, that, that just love, there's something, you know, Maddie Lang hit me, and I think I tagged you in this, Maddie Lang said, uh, he, he re- uh, replied to us saying he was annoyed that I had not hit any Shania tunes in there. And I said, I, I didn't want to trample on, on your karaoke list. Mine were uh, Just Like a Pill by Pink. Ooh. Big into that. That's a great I, song. I can hammer that one out. I, I, I got the, uh, you may have heard just before we started the show, I didn't mention it on Tuesday, but apparently I'm not shy about some of my Dolly Parton tunes from, uh, from back in the day. And occasionally... But only with one specific duet partner, and only if we are both uh, well sauced at the time. Uh, Big Girls Don't Cry by Fergie. You could talk oh. me into just hammering it home, right? Uh, any, you don't have to name names, but any men in your life, anything where you've seen spectacular performances by men of songs originally sung by women? Well, Shania is definitely there. And and before ratting out my husband, I will rat out the guy I sat next to at the Grey Cup in 2017 here in Ottawa when Shania performed, well, every song she performed, this dude knew every word and was rocking out. And at one point looked at me and said, oh, my, uh, my wife's a big fan. And I was like, dude, you don't have to justify anything. No. I love this. But right. he was like hand in the air singing, man, I feel like a woman. And it was one of the greatest moments of my life. Um, sticking with Shania, uh, I'm, I'm going to rat out Josh. Mm-hmm. I have seen him uh, sing very loudly to swinging with my eyes closed by Shania Twain. And exactly. Cause that's not a Shania no. classic. Okay. That is a new Shania, <laughs> which is a whole new level of commitment. So after the gray cup, 
I wouldn't shut up about Shania Twain for weeks. Right. And I was just listening to Shania nonstop. I was rewatching that performance. And, uh, you know, the Grey Cup is very close to Christmas. And mm-hmm. Shania was there oh, no. technically launching her tour. So for Christmas, I got tickets to see Shania Twain in June, in the following June, when she came to Ottawa. What a self-serving gift. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he got it for me. Oh, I thought yeah, he you, you were going to say, like, you it. meant you got them for no, him. No, 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 no. <laughs> God, no. I'm, I, I'm not that selfish, okay. but he did, he, shout out to him for yes. a, a great gift. That's a great he, gift then, yes. Exactly, because I wouldn't shut up about this, <laughs> and he was like, fine, here you go. So we both went to see Shania, and it was like, I've never seen a collection of white women <laughs> this large in my life in person. And it was all like roughly my age or older, yeah, yeah. like because we all grew up with Shania. Sure. Um, it was a very interesting night, but, but it was very nostalgic. Like the concert was actually really great. I loved it. And, and, you know, she was promoting her new album. So was this when she, wasn't there a, like a football field or a soccer field or something local she was going to play here in town? Was it that tour? That was earlier. I think she okay. came here for an outdoor concert. Yes. You're right. No, I, I, th- so I want to say a couple years. No, no, this okay. was at the, uh, the CTC. Okay. Um, great concert and, yep. and, you know, some of her new songs, I, I will admit, like, I actually really like her new, her latest album and, and Josh loved it. So <laughs> swinging with my eyes closed became his jam and I'm going to get yelled at for this. No I doubt. Know it. I'll, I'll admit to let him off the hook a little bit. It's nothing new, but, uh, if I was to pick a Shania tune that I was going to be hitting hard on karaoke or something, whose bed have your boots been under is, is the go-to nice. for me. That's, and nice. we're taking her all the way back to what, like 95 or something like that. Oh, but, yeah. uh, that's, uh, that'd be the one that I was going with. So we did get some interesting answers from that. Uh, lots of people who, um, not a lot, a couple people, you ought to know by Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Um, we got, um, uh, I can't, there's a couple, I should have pulled this up in front of me now, but, uh, oh, there's, I'm just a girl by, uh, come on, help me out here. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Yes, that's yeah. right. Um, so we got a couple people replying at Talking Audio on Twitter with the, you know, when you're just cruising down the road and the windows are up, just belting it out and no shame at all. So uh, that was a fun little conversation. We don't have to be done with it. You can let us know at Talking Audio on Twitter or Instagram uh, what your uh, <laughs> your female jams are there, boys. I uh, also shout out to the beaches because I I don't know if a lot of people would would list the beaches in in their mm-hmm. anthems or whatever by female rock groups, but uh, that is a great great band that yep. Josh did fall in love with because they, like they performed they, they performed at the the Grey Cup in Calgary. They were like the opening act, yeah, and they're fantastic. So yeah. so we listened to a lot of that, and I'm sure he I haven't seen him sing it, but I'm sure. <laughs> that he would and and it just it strikes me as as a band that like a lot of dudes would probably be like yeah i rock out to this no doubt you know? why not no doubt no doubt but um, not no doubt not no doubt no of course not <laughs> all right uh no doubt was only good in the 90s anyway <laughs> it's it's kind of sad but true yeah 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 um so speaking of sad but true um mm. the ottawa senators Uh, (laughs) Uh, The Ottawa Senators made a big signing this week, one that we had all been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, GM Pierre Dorian is signed through till uh, 2024, 2025. So that's what you were waiting for, right, Sens fans? Obviously, obviously. This is the one we've all been waiting for. I will will give him credit. As soon as he's asked about Brady in the press conference, 
you know, it's coming along well. And he does say something along the lines of hopefully the next press conference we have is for a more important signing. Yeah. So, I mean, he's having Which a little was, fun with it. I was a bigger fan of that than I was his press conference post Jake Batherson. Right. Or Drake Batherson, excuse me. Um, where I felt like there was a little bit of, of negotiating through the media yes, going I on. Yes, I did too, yeah. A little bit of backhanded comments. But I feel like since then there, there must have been some progress. Um, because you're right, that, that interview sounded much more promising, or it was further negotiating through the media. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about this uh, when, when DJ Smith was extended a couple months ago now. There was an interesting conversation had about, you know, coming into the season, your coach is signed, but your GM is not. Mm-hmm. And Dorian was coming into his contract year. And, you know, when you have big things to get done, like, oh, I don't know, sign your future captain. <laughs> probably a good idea to make sure that the GM himself is in a secure position. But on the flip side, I think you could also make an argument of make his job dependent on signing Brady Kachuk. So well, let's not I'd, forget the Pierre Maguire discussion too, right? When he came yep. in, it was like, uh Oh, like, what does this mean for, and I was on record saying one of them's probably gone by Christmas and it's, it looks now like it won't be Dorian and who knows? Like, Maybe they obviously, I'm sure that wasn't the plan was that one would be fired by Christmas, but there can only be one Pierre. And, and this one created some stability uh, for Pierre Dorian. Did it make I mean, you as go. a Sens fan, like, you happy with this signing? Were you ready for it? The terms seem right to you? Like, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, listen, I don't often know of GMs who just run out their contract. No. Right? Like, they usually are told to leave if they if they lose their jobs right right more often than not it is so and so has been let go or whatever by the organization so i'm not saying that always happens but that's just what i'm more familiar with like a a contract doesn't always mean a lot to me right it's it's good that he has some stability he has a lot of work to do because they're at a pretty pivotal moment in their in their rebuild where god willing they get Brady Kachuk signed. They come into the season with a little more expectations than they had last season. And I think, you know, at least competing for a playoff spot is the goal this year. And then after that, you've got to be in a playoff spot or you're not doing your job. Right. And to to go into that period is really, really crucial. You need to start filling in those gaps of the depth players who are going to complement your core of, you know, there there are a number of young players who I think a lot of, of Sens fans viewed them as being part of the core going, you know, long-term like Logan Brown, who mm, not really <laughs> working out so far. So what do you do with those players? Like there's a lot of questions that Pierre Dorian has to figure out and a lot of problems he has to solve. And it's probably better for him to be doing it with uh, a steady, a steady contract and, and yep. some job stability. And listen, I mean, I, no one was a fan of Pierre Dorian during the dismantling of this team. And I was firmly in that camp, <laughs> you know, as we were watching Eric Carlson get traded and Mark Stone get traded and the tourists trade, which was very weird and kind of ca- started this whole uh, yeah. downswing to begin with, you know, that was all Dorian and, and he wears that, but he also wears the drafting of Brady Kachuk mm-hmm. and, and the, um, the the drafting of Drake Batherson and the drafting of Thomas Shabbat. Ending up doing better on those trades than I think most people, th- certainly on the Carlson trade. On at the, the Carlson time, trade, definitely. And at the time. Poor, oh and now suddenly looks not too bad, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. And, and you know, 
there's there's a conversation I think to to be had about whether or not you needed to trade Mark Stone, and and I think a lot of people would say would the Sens want to be paying him what he's making right now um, at this point in the rebuild, and I think that's fair. But I I do think that we saw him rebound from that horrible dismantling mm-hmm. and and the unnecessary but tough dismantling of the team. And, and yeah, you're right. The Eric Carlson trade has really worked out for this team. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, look, look at Josh Norris and the success that he's had. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think part of that too is because Eric Carlson is a shell of his former self, right? You could make a case because of how much he was overused here. So I don't, I don't like looking at the Eric Carlson trade and giving Pierre Dorian credit for it. I'm sort of with you there. There's a little bit of rewriting history. Cause I think mm-hmm. most of us, Myself included, most Sens fans I spoke hated that deal when it happened. And I was no. in the airport on my way to Italy, and it ruined my day. <laughs> so ruined my day, right? So I think um, it's worked out well, but you're rewriting history in a lot of ways. Almost similar to the Vegas team in general when it was drafted, where they end up going to the Cup final, and everybody pretends that they always thought they were going to be good when that team was drafted. You're like, that is trash. That is not going anywhere, right? <laughs> I wonder, and I, this comes a little bit, I should shout out our friend Graham Nichols, uh, the sixth cent, sick, uh, help me out here. Sixth cent. Thank you. Uh, he now has a tremendous blog. It's called Rome in a Day. Uh, you longtime Sens fans will uh, reach back for that. But um, he put out an article this week after this signing saying that the common wisdom and I tend to subscribe to it, and, and you referenced it there, is that the easy part is the teardown, right? Get rid of everything, get your picks, um, and he's done that well. And so he deserves credit for that, but also it is the easier part. And the first indication of rebuilding and starting to pile up happened at the beginning of last season, and basically all the pros that he brought in stunk right were played out of the lineup by the younger guys and that's the part that he's gonna have to excel at now Mm -hmm. is building this back up with this you know he's got the young core he's got uh according to the athletic um and Corey pronman's rankings of every team's kind of 23 and under core ottawa finished at number two this year so tons of young talent in the pipeline but he's gonna have to supplement that with free agents and some trades and early returns on that part haven't yet been solid. Doesn't mean they won't be, but so far, not great. Are you surprised that this deal is as long as it is? Because there's a club option out to 2025. I agree you can't send them into a lame duck year, especially right after you just signed your coach and Pierre Maguire. You can't leave him hanging out there on his own. But that is like three more years after this one, um, on a team that doesn't love to spend money. Did the term surprise you at all, or is that just sort of the price of doing business at this point? Because I, I, I don't feel like Dorian had a ton of leverage here, to be honest with you. No, and and I that, this is such a tough one because I feel like the three-year extension is pretty common yeah. in GMs, but you're right, because it's in addition to this year, yeah. it's like a four-year extension. Yeah. And it feels like a four-year extension, and that's a long time. But like I said... GMs don't typically run out their contracts, true. right? Like they're usually, they're ousted. So, so I don't look at it as, oh, we're tied to Pierre Dorian until 2025. Like, no, if, if Pierre Dorian drops the ball and, you know, he's got a little bit of wiggle room here, but mm-hmm. if he drops the ball and continues to struggle to bring in depth players like he did last year, he's not going to see 2025. No. And 
you've got a you know backup Pierre, if you will, <laughs> ready to go. Pierre two electric Pierre boogaloo. Pierre. Sorry. <laughs> Is that a reference I won't get? I don't know. I'm not or, sure I get it. I just thought it was fun. Um, <laughs> but you've got someone who could theoretically step into your job so the job security is there to a certain extent right but there's i think the pressure is still on and i think that's a really great point by graham nichols that you know the the dismantling was very easy dorian has struggled with bringing in deaf players so yeah. far yeah. and that did it did not work last year and we saw that what dorian has always been super good at is scouting and and drafting mm-hmm. and i will give him credit for that you know he was the director of player development before he was gm that is his background is yes. scouting i trust him when it comes to the draft more than any other area i wonder if and i'm not saying that i necessarily think this but i feel like what they think bringing in pierre mcguire does is help pierre dorian with that bringing sure. in of current NHLers to help. Opens up Pierre Maguire's Rolodex around the league for there pro scouts, other GMs, what he's seen, you know, being rinkside for as long as he was. Um, maybe that was a big part of what he's supposed to bring to the table here. Like we all know he knows a stupid amount of pretty much any NHLer right now. So can he At least where they went with... to school or played junior, right? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Who his billet parents were. Yeah, probably. Or whatever. <laughs> But I, I think they um, they're probably thinking he'll help with that. I'm not yes. saying he will because because like you said, like his his knowledge is very specific mm-hmm. and sometimes not contained into a consumable package. Um, <laughs> but I say that with all the love and respect. But but he just he has a crazy amount of knowledge. Yes. And you know whether or not that's going to translate into bringing in you know comp complementary players that are current NHLers to this team. Who knows? But I think. I think that's kind of the ideal scenario for the sentence. So I'm not, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I didn't really feel anything about this. Sort as of a indifferent. Fan. Yeah. It's okay. It's, I'm glad it happened so that he's got some job stability and hopefully can do his job yep. and do a good job because that's what we're all relying on. Um, but let's, let's call a spade a spade. The, the real signing that matters here is Brady Kachuk for the love of God, please get it done. <laughs> we're getting too close to training camp right now. And it does sort of look like, uh, I don't think Brady's going anywhere. I think they're going to work on a long-term deal right up to the edge of training camp if they don't get it done. I I assume there's probably already a a bridge deal that they've worked out. Okay, if it's going to be three years, it's probably going to look like this. But let's see if we can do something long-term. I think getting... Look, I think if they can get... And I sent you a, a tweet about this that uh, you referenced there off the top. Um if they can get Brady locked up long-term and they have got their GM locked up long-term and they've gotten Shabbat locked up long-term, you start to see the stability that you want, right? And what that means, at least in my opinion, and I sends chirps opinion, another great to look, I don't love shouting out sends fans and, and whatever but sixth sends graham nichols is fantastic sends chirp is fantastic we have a lot of leaf fans that listen to this they're reasonable accounts to follow they're not crazy ass sends fans that are going to tell you everything is fantastic sends chirp tweeted um in response to john rodenberg over at tsn 1200 uh earlier on wednesday that if the brady thing gets done and now pierre's done and batherson's done and shabbat's done a lot of the talk 
the anti-Eugene talk is going to have to go away. Sens fans are going to have to start keeping up their end of the bargain because that's how this works, right? If you want the team to spend and lock up your big guys, there has to be cash coming in. And I don't know yet, I don't think any of us do, exactly what it's going to look like in NHL arenas come October in terms of percentage of fans allowed to go or permitted to uh, to be indoors. But the time for all of this, yeah, show me something, is going to be gone, at least according to, to Sense Chirp and to me. And it's going to be time for the fans to put up or shut up. A, do you agree with Chirp when it comes to that? And B, do you think the fan base is going to be there yet? Oh, that's... A loaded question. That is a loaded question. <laughs> Listen, I don't like to tell any fan what they should or should not do or what they have to and have to not do. I, 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 I think everyone is a fan in their own way and you can be a fan in, in, in whatever way suits you. I don't think it is right to look at a fan and say, you're not a fan if you don't do X, Y, Z. And I think there's a case to be made for, for those who said, you know, screw this team. I'm not going to games until Melnick starts spending money. You know, they got Thomas Shabbat signed. Mm -hmm. They got, Pierre Dorian signed, if that's what you're looking for. Got Pierre Maguire signed. They got Pierre Maguire. They, you know, they locked up DJ Smith, who's also has been a very good coach here. And if they get Brady Kachuk signed, and they got Drake Batherson signed, yep. If they get Brady Kachuk signed, then you know they've been they've shown that they can spend money to keep their stars around. A lot of that's going to depend on the Brady Kachuk term. Because if he has a three-year deal, <laughs> that's a little <laughs> nerve-wracking. Um, but I don't know if it should be, to be honest with you. I know I'm interrupting, and I, I do that sometimes. That's okay. Pretty off. I think that's just where the market is at this time, not just based on him, not just yeah. based on Ottawa and Eugene. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Even the least optimistic amongst us suspects that in three years, the world will be better, and maybe there'll be more money in the system. I... Look, I get it. I would want him locked up long term, but I don't think three years means he's gone and he's looking no. to get out. I think it's just I'll see where the world is in three years, right? Like, and that's probably my latent Sens fan trauma <laughs> that's just reverberating here because that's like that's what it immediately goes through my head. But you're absolutely right. Like it, it could mean absolutely nothing. Yeah, it could just be that is what it, that is the world we are living in in the NHL right now. Um, and that's fine. And, and and even if that happens, like for the next three years at least, you have this core of players who mm-hmm. we have been we have been promised would be good. Yep. Now they you know they obviously need to do to be good and do well, but management has done their job in terms of putting them together and giving DJ Smith you know tools that he needs to succeed, and it's up to him to do it and, mm-hmm. and the, the players to do it, but. You know, I think there's an argument to be made that the argument of this team doesn't spend money or keep stars around will be kind of null and void yes. for at least the next couple of years, right? So, you know, I, I think that's fair. And 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 if if a, a fan who had decided in 2018 when Carlson was traded, screw you, I'm not going to games, decided okay, mm-hmm. maybe I'll go to games, that's fine. But at the same time, I just I'll never get to a place where I say to someone like, well, you have to do this. Like, you don't have to do no. You're a fully functioning adult. You can well, do whatever you in most want. Cases. And, you, and you can be a fan however you want. Um, I, uh, for, for me as a fan, would this sway me? 
if I was super against going to games, would, would Brady Kachuk getting signed and everything else that's happened sway me to go? Absolutely. Like, like the, the dark days are over and, and if this team can compete and listen, they were entertaining as hell last year. Mm -hmm. If they can play more like that, if they are the last half of their last season, this team's a playoff team for sure. They need to be that last half of the season. (laughs) <laughs> I, I would say for me, and I've taken this swipe at the Sens fan base before. I've I've eaten the hate online before. I'll take it again because uh, it's not everybody, but there are some Senators fans I believe that have used Melnick as a crutch for too many things. That he is absolutely not a great NHL owner. He has wronged this fan base. He has ruined occasions before like the the outdoor game with his bullshit i would not enjoy having eugene melnick own my favorite sports franchise but i do think that while this team was suffering and things weren't that great and what there have been moments where many sens fans have used him at times where it just wasn't justified as an easy out right as an easy mm-hmm. crutch and i think those are the types of fans that may now I don't want to say eat crow because that's too strong. Melnick is still not a particularly likable guy, right? I I still wouldn't want him owning my franchise. But if they get Brady locked up on top of Batherson, on top of Shabbat, and and you've invested in in McGuire, whatever you think of that, and and you've got the coach, at some point, you don't. Even if you're not ready to start buying tickets again, you don't get to keep saying it's because of Melnick because at some point, he's done. Like, what else did you want him to do this year? Like, assuming Brady gets done, right? Like, that's that's the, the key here. But if that gets locked up, your your core is here. Like, you've got it locked up. Anybody that you could have re-signed, at some point, the excuses have to disappear. And you're right. You don't get to tell anybody how to be a fan. But I do get to notice that you're now making excuses that are no longer applicable. Yeah, that, that's the thing, right? Like, if if you, th- there are fans who weren't going to games during the 2017 run for that same reason, mm-hmm. right? And and those fans are probably not going to go to these games. You know, does that make them less of a fan? I don't think you can say that, but I I agree that you know it is important to support your team, whatever that may look like. And and I think buy that a hat, buy a jersey, buy yeah, a, like because the way I always look at it is, you know, I, I'm supporting the players and I'm supporting the people who work there Yes, and people who work for this team, you know, not, and, and I, and I mean that with any, like not just Melnick, but any owner of a big company is probably a bit of a sleazeball. Yeah. <laughs> like it does like, seem to be, I'm not, I'm not throwing names here, but, no. but I'm just saying like, you know, it's, it's hard for me to relate to a rich CEO who is benefiting when I buy that, you know, whatever brand name t-shirt or, right. or whatever. That's right. But I'm supporting, I like to think that I'm supporting the people who work there too. And sure. and I think that, it, you know, it, you could look at it that way. But, um, you know, again, it's, it's the argument of this team doesn't spend money and this team doesn't keep stars around that is kind of, it needs to be thrown out the window, at least for the next couple of years. It's still, you know, what have you done for me lately yep. sport? So that could always change. But if you look at what the Sens have done recently, they've they've done their part. And I agree with that. Yeah, I know for me, like even if I again was, all of this hanging on Brady, right? Exactly, Assuming Brady gets exactly. Done, yes. That is all the caveat is Brady <laughs> yes. Kachuk here, and and I'll be honest with you, like even if I was super bitter, and I'm not, um, 
I just just to go to a hockey game right now right. would be a gift, and and I would I would very gladly do that. And <laughs> I've I so rarely get to go to hockey games and be a fan because normally when I'm in the CTC, I'm there with TSN, and, right. and I have to be, you know, not cheering in the press box. Um, <laughs> and and I went to a game as a fan. Like I think the last game I went to as a fan was during the 2017 run, and really? I forgot. I, <sighs> it's been that I've been to your building several nope, times since nope, then. Okay. that's wrong. I went as a semi fan because I was I did some work with the Sense Foundation. I was doing mm. their um, telethon. Okay, yeah. Um, so I was answering phones. They thought they were calling Chris Phillips. I answered the phone, <laughs> so that was fun. Um, and then I got to watch did you the rest. Use your best deep voice. <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch the rest of the game from a from a seat, and then I went a couple times with work. But because I go to so many games with TSN, mm-hmm. I so rarely have the desire to buy tickets. Like it okay, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't consciously doing it. It's just like, you know, go to a couple games a month. You know, when I'm when I have an off night, I'm like, I'd rather just watch the game at home with yeah. my own beer and sure. not pay. You know, yeah, in pajama pants, comfortable the, on my couch. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And is it wrong that the beer selection at the CTC is really my motivating factor for often it's choosing to good, stay at home. It's, not it's terrible. Yeah. At least a TD place, yep. like it's it's Budweiser, right? So you've got Goose Island yep. and you've got Mill Street and there's one craft beer there that they, is, are, yep. they are allowed to circulate. This year, by the way, it is Broadhead. Uh, okay. Amber Ale. So oh, that's a nice place. beer. I've had that in the, Great the studio keg fridge multiple times. Great beer. We I'll never forget when we discovered this. I think it was one of the first years the Red Blacks were here. Um, they had bows in, yep. in circulation yep. in the bottles, not on tap. But finding it was it was like a scavenger hunt because you'd go to different places and say, well, you know, what do you have on tap? Different concessions, <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, we got blue or uh, yep. Bud, Bud Light, uh, Stella Artois, bows. <laughs> like, they were not advertising it so you always had to scrounge to find it but you still have it you still have good options yep. like molson coors they need to do a better job at buying big craft breweries and having some sort of craft option because it sucks <laughs> okay. grenville island is the closest thing you can That's get to like good, a decent though. craft beer and it's it's not good like yeah. like i actually i like grenville island beer but not this not the ones we get here in ontario Okay. Like we always get their English, yeah, English ale or whatever, and it's not very good. I've been to the brewery. The brewery makes fine beer yeah. when you're there. Nice, but it sucks elsewhere. Anyway, the CTC beer sucks. Yeah, no, and that's true. It's like whatever eleven fifty for a tall boy a Canadian, and that's my go to when I go out there because I'm a. But I've been out several times since, and like it seems like I've supported your team more than. Uh, Sorry, well, you have. Uh, don't apologize to me. I'm good with it. It's, I got paid, uh, and I got paid to be there, so I'm yeah. like a really bad fan. Well, um, paid by a sponsor, so that's it. But I was there one of the nights. the The Leafs had won uh, late in the third period, two goal performance. My cousin Brandon and I are there, and as we're walking out, as we've ordered too many beers at last call, so still carrying mm-hmm. a couple, and the whole crowd seemingly standing. This is our house, right? Uh, but everybody's wearing blue, and uh, and we really felt it. Right? We were. It was now. We did not manage to get on a bus, and it felt less like our house at that point when we had to pay, I think it was like, oh, something ridiculous. I think it was like 60 bucks for an Uber across the highway to that Chris Phillips bar, like, uh, that you can't actually walk to from the arena. I can't, the Central Beer House, Central I think it's Beer called. Central Beer House, yeah. And it's a great spot. Like, we had an awesome time there and whatever. But with surge pricing and <laughs> whatever, it was like 60 bucks just to go under the highway and up to this bar. Um, if only there was some sort of centrally located yes. arena. Funny that, that easy eh? to walk Wouldn't to. that be crazy? Yeah. 
anyway. I, I should mention before you change the subject here while we're on the, the on the hockey thing. Next mm-hmm. week, a uh, friend of the show, he's been on several times before, Mike Comito is going to be back on the show, author of the book Hockey 365. He has another book, Hockey 365, The Second Period, Daily Stories from the Ice. And it is, uh, if you're not familiar... Um, Every day, it's like a it's like a journal or a calendar book or whatever, and you open it up, and on each day of the calendar, he's got an interesting kind of historical hockey fact, um, and he's got no bones about the facts. Like, go ahead, read it on the toilet. Like, they're short, little, digestible things. Each morning, you can read your daily hockey fact. Um, he did release one a couple years ago. He was on to talk about it. He's been on several times since. Uh, that was the original Hockey Three Sixty Five. He rejected my idea that the sequel should be called Hockey 365, even hockeyer, and went with uh, the second period. But uh, Mike Comito, um, the book's just two weeks away from being released. We will share the links. You can pre-order it now if you want, but Mike will be on early next week to talk about uh, Hockey 365, the second period. Check that right out. Right on, right on. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, shifting gears from hockey, because it seems like, Matt, hockey is no longer Canada's only sport. This is so weird. Canada is good at soccer, yeah, and Canada is apparently really freaking good at tennis. We're a tennis country now. That's what We're we do. We're a tennis country now, guys. <laughs> Get on board. <laughs> I mean, we all know Bianca Andreescu. She's unfortunately out in the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. but she did win the U.S. Open against, maybe you've heard of her, Serena Williams, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. it, it, you Rings know, I, I would say it started with, with uh, Bianca Andreescu because Jeannie Bouchard was also quite good before then. She's faltered since yep. since then but, but she did have a good run I, I should point out milos rianich as well ever since wimbledon 2014 canada is the only country in the world to have six separate um grand slam semi-finalists no one else on earth has done that oh, and they are that. balanced three and three right we got milos we got uh, denis shapovalov and now we have uh, i'm just gonna call him phoenix because that or felix because that last name is a beast. Aliasim. There you go. That's why Michaela's here to uh, to handle these things. And the three women, of course, uh, getting it done right now. We have, well, and Bianca, we've had, uh, well, you just hit it. Help me out here. Uh, Jeannie Bouchard. Jeannie Bouchard. Yes. And now. We've the, got Layla Fernandez. See, I wanted to call her Layla, but I kept reading it. I'm like, is that Leela? Is that? Well, I, don't know. I think it's Layla. I think done, it's Layla too. I've done more too. reading of her. I didn't get to watch much of the U.S. Open. I was away over the weekend, but I've done more reading of her name than I have hearing it. Hey, that's exactly my problem too, yeah. right? So, but that's it. This is the only country in the world since 2014 to have six separate uh, Grand Slam semifinalists. So we're doing the tennis thing now. That's what Canada does. We're doing the tennis thing. And Layla Fernandez is 19 years it's old. Insane. Like, it's unbelievable. She's ranked 73rd, and she just beat out world number five, Alina Svitolina. <laughs> like, that's insane. And and she's so, like, she doesn't look 19. I'm sorry. Why are 19-year-olds children now? Honestly. Um, she looks like a 12-year-old, but I think that's just because I'm old. Um, <laughs> but she's just, like, she's so talented and so well-spoken. And, and I'm like, you know, if you put me at 19 years old in front of a mic, it would not have ended well for you. Well, so they asked her, like, what's going on? On with Canadian tennis um, like why is this happening and she like without missing a beat she's like it's the maple syrup it's the Canadian Hell maple syrup yeah. makes this great and you're like like you if you had held a microphone in front of me at that age I'd have just dial toned right like nothing no. and uh, she's just not missing a beat at all um, yeah it's been incredible to see what's gone on and to have two um, Canadian athletes making it this far and not you know with all respect it's not Milos, it's not 
uh, Jeannie Bouchard. It's not the the bigger names that we've grown to expect. It's 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 the new kids on the block, and it it sure looks like um, with what limited tennis knowledge I have, it sure looks like Canada is set up for the next decade. Like these aren't flashes. This isn't a flash in the pan. These are all very young athletes that are setting up to to really you know be a part of the mix moving forward for the next like decade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it it's worth noting too that Leila Fernandez knocked out Naomi Osaka yeah. in this tournament. Maybe you've heard Maybe of Maybe perhaps you've heard <laughs> of Naomi Osaka. And and I think you know full credit to Milos Raonic and and Jeannie Bouchard because I think without them, you know, you probably wouldn't have these young stars mm-hmm. who are coming up because they they did kind of I don't want to say put Canada on the map, but they really helped make Canada known as as being a little more competitive. I know I know that people will, will say like Jeannie Bouchard and Milos Raonic, you know, they struggled to get past yeah. the quarterfinals or whatever it was, but they were still there. Yep. And and, and for the and longest were, time before that, it was it was like literally just Daniel Nestor and whoever his pair's partner was, right? Like that was it for yeah. Canadian tennis until these two came along. And, and they were yeah, consistently there. Yes, right? and they faded a little bit, but it laid this foundation for um, you know for these young players to come along and, and do their thing. Yeah. Yeah, and Felix Auger-Aliassime is still in the semis at the U.S. Open as well, so both he and Leila Fernandez are still in it. Incredible. Um, Shapovalov and Andrescu, unfortunately yes. not. But but again, like, you know, getting ousted in the third round is not, it's not a, an un, it's, it's, it's not not anything to be ashamed of. Right. Right? Like, that's, it's one of the biggest Grand Slams of the year. Um, Bianca Andrescu lost in a three and a half hour match. Can you imagine? Ugh, I'm so tired <laughs> just reading that. <laughs> Like I, I was writing that down, making some notes, and I was like, "I'm tired now." Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't. It's do a one on one sport, and they went at it for three and a half hour. I can't, can't do anything. Unbelievable. No, exactly. I'm happy insane. if I can stay asleep for three and a half. Hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really takes it out of me. <laughs> so shout out Canada for being a tennis country. Well, now. this this reminds me very much of the 2018 Winter Olympics when the Canadian men's hockey team featuring like many European league superstars uh, lost in the semifinal. But, you know, our figure skating team was still doing their thing. And uh, Tessa, Scott and Tessa were out dominating the world. Like, screw it. I don't care. We're an ice dance country now. That's what we do. Like, <laughs> This is one thing about Canada, man. We get behind our athletes Absolutely. like nobody's business. Yes. And like, you know, it's, it's, I, I, in my experience, like I've gotten more into certain sports because Canada's done well. Yes, of like course. I didn't, I didn't care about soccer until 2012, right? And the women's team won bronze. Well, and we should mention while they're doing the tennis thing here, the Canadian men's soccer team is suddenly like, oh, look, they're good now, right? Like, hell an, yeah, a chance to qualify for the World Cup for the first time in I think like 30 years uh, with Alfonso Davies, and, and you know, the, the, they just drew, I believe their last result was a draw with the United States. I don't think I've missed anything there. Um, another game, with, I think it was a draw with Honduras. I don't know anything, Michaela, about Honduras. The only time I ever hear about Honduras as a country is on Sports Center the morning after. I was like, and by the way, Honduras stopped Canada from qualifying for whatever the Gold Cup, the Concacaf playoffs, the whatever it might be. It's always Honduras um, for some reason who shuts us down. Yeah, damn Honduras. Do we have to declare war now? Maybe. Like, what is this? Yeah. If um, I, I wish so I knew something, anything about Honduras to slam. But I, literally, <laughs> I literally don't. Uh, I mean, 
full credit to Canada. We are also a baseball country because we love our Jays. We love our Jays. And uh, the Jays, while it looked like the wild card race might be slipping out of reach, they just pull within two games. Unbelievable. And are making things real interesting. Uh, I can't believe it. So as we sit here now on Wednesday evening, um, we're just like an hour shy, maybe a little less than that, from first pitch at Yankee Stadium again. But as we sit here right now, two games out, like a week ago, there were five games out, and you were going to have to slowly chip away. You were going to have to find a way to get back into it. And yet, for some reason, it just sort of worked out that, you know, they've won, I believe, six in a row now. Um, at the same time that Boston has struggled, and you've played New York for the last two, so you've held them in check as well. It's It's a long way from over, but this team... It was kept afloat by its weakest point, right? We we all thought the rotation was going to be a problem and the offense was going to dominate. And for almost the entire month of August, the offense was awful. And the pitching staff is top two in the majors since August 5th. That's incredible when you look at what's gone on there. I'm as recently as this weekend was like, they'll make it interesting, they'll hang around, but they got no actual shot of getting in. And I woke up this morning, because I actually, you'll appreciate this, Michaela. I went to bed before the end of the Blue <laughs> game last night. I was very tired. Oh, I, my I God. Wanted, I know. I was watching it, and, and it came up, and was like, it's the top of the eighth. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm going to bed. Um, woke up this morning. It was They'd held it, 5-1. And I looked at it thinking we were going to be three games out. I just had the math wrong or whatever. It was two games out. I'm like, that... That's doable in a weekend, and they have 26 games left while Boston has 22 games left. Like, they're in this. This is a mix that maybe even a week or two ago you wouldn't have suspected, but they have a real shot of getting this done. Absolutely, and they're they're nine and one in their last ten. So yeah. they're like they're hot as hell. Yes, right now. And, uh, you know, this is, we've seen this before where the Jays get hot at the right time and storm right into the playoffs. So it, it's, it's there. It's still within reach. It's still possible. And, and I'll admit, like, I keep saying this throughout the summer. I'm like, okay, <laughs> hockey's done. I'm going to get more into baseball now. And I was okay. The Olympics are done. I'm going to get more into baseball right. now. And then the women's world championships yep. happened and then the U S open happened. And then, uh, the WNBA <laughs> playoff race is heating up. So like I have not sat down to watch a Jays game in weeks and I wow. feel awful and it sucks. Cause yep. this is one of the best parts of my summer and I just haven't had time. Like there's only, there's only so many hours yep. in a day and so many sports, you know, you can, you, you can either be like an expert in a handful of sports or like a general knowledgeist. Sure. Generalist of of several <laughs> sports. I General like knowledgeist. It's <laughs> my new name. Yeah. Um, and because of, you know, if she's got game, I've got to follow a number of sports that I wouldn't usually because you know a Canadian woman is doing really well in it or something like that, which is cool. It, it, it helps me learn more. Sure. But it's taken away from a Jay's time, so I think I, I really need to prioritize we'll, the Jays. As we sit here on September eighth, with them two games out. Is that enough to get you to start taking the Jays back in again? Are you, <laughs> oh, yeah. do you, oh, is, yeah. is this now doable? I love September baseball. Yeah. Even when they were bad, I loved September <laughs> baseball. I don't know why. Um, probably when I lived in Toronto, they were terrible. And yeah. I used to go to games in September. I remember going to a Boston Red Sox game in the middle of September, getting walk up tickets and paying $75 per ticket to be 10 seats up from first base. <laughs> that seat 
in 2015 or 2016 oh, would have man. been $300 yep. per ticket. Yep. So I, I really capitalized on September baseball <laughs> when they were terrible and I lived in Toronto. So it's it always holds a, a, a special place in my heart. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally, totally dialed in. At like, Or I shouldn't say I'm dialed in. I'm willing to get dialed in. Right. Um, I'm not dialed in. That's the problem. Uh, but I'm I'm absolutely into it. I've, like, I've been still following them and checking sure. in on the wild yeah. card race and, and highlights and stuff like that. But it's just something about sitting down to watch an entire game that like just makes it feel like summer. Agreed. And I don't have kids and I'm not in school. So back to school means nothing for me. So it's still September. It's still summer. I should September. mention last week we asked the question, is summer end at September 1st? Does it end after Labor Day? Does it end? And I said September 1st. People hated that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People wanted. I am still a girl of fall, my friends. I am a basic white woman and I love fall, but I can still be in a summer old mindset. People were all over it in the replies in the mentions at Talk and Audio that you don't get to take this away from us. We have until at least the Tuesday after Labor Day. Uh, so we hear you. We're sorry. Guess we what, offended. guys? It's Wednesday after Labor Day and summer is over. <laughs> Come at me. I Fall dare you. Beers. I'll be sitting it's here time. with my latte, looking at my foliage. I love it. Wearing my sweater. Nice. Oh, it's just so nice. Um, anyway, speaking of Labor Day, mm-hmm. uh, CFL Labor Day Classic took place on Labor Day, obviously. Um <laughs> Because that's what happens on Labor Day. Uh, I should mention, shout out to the Red Blacks for losing uh, yet again. Um, But (laughs) going with Dominic Davis. World's worst shout out. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Going with Dominic Davis and not completely sucking on offense, which was the real key there. Um, They actually scored 29 points, which if they had done that in any one of their other games, they would be three and one on the season right now. God. Their defense completely sucked yeah and that was the deciding factor because we live in the upside down now (laughs) and uh so that was that was labor day weekend for the red blacks went really well but the labor day classic as many many cfl fans know is it's a big weekend it usually happens midway through the season and this year it was week five right so that was good. Um, Edmonton versus Calgary, you know, Battle of Alberta, whatever. Shout out to the Canadian women's hockey team who were at that game because they just won gold in the women's world. Hung around. I like that. I didn't yeah, know that. That's pretty cool. Um, the Elks won. They got their first Labor Day Classic since 2011. With like, and, what, 10, uh, 12 regulars out, something like that? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, they, they just got it out of a COVID scare or yeah, COVID outbreak. I mean. Yeah. Um, and Trevor Harris threw four touchdown passes and has now won against, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know her. Um, (laughs) has now won against every CFL team. So good for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Toronto and Hamilton, Hamilton won and did not go well for Nick Arbuckle. Um, but, uh, yeah, Toronto, I mean, Toronto's had an okay season so far, so I'm, I'm not bleeding for them yet. But McLeod Bethel Thompson did uh, did come in mid-game because Arbuckle did not have a good game. And uh, Winnipeg took home the, the Labor Day Classic between them and Saskatchewan. The in Banjo very, Bowl? Ban- no, Banjo Bowl's this weekend. Wow. To me, it's a series. It's, it's That's two true. games. But you're right. It, it, you the, might be right. <laughs> the, the technical, you're right. It, it's, the, it's the rematch. But... I, I always like it, even in, in years where I'm only partially following the league. Labor Day weekend is interesting, and I will check in um, a little bit more often. 
I think you're right about the red flags or something incredibly frustrating about seeing the offense finally get moving and the defense just completely crumble. Uh, that was obviously the one I paid the most attention to. The the red uh, the Argonauts and the Tiger Cats was interesting just because the Tiger Cats seem to be willing to make some moves and they're willing to run with some other parts. It's a short season. They're looking to get things going. Uh, they had some social media beef going with the Argonauts, which was kind of fun. But I should point out one of my uh, one of my CFL contacts. I don't know if he's one of yours, Michaela. Had tweeted out a week or so ago. Maybe the Red Blacks should be looking at Jeremiah Masoli and uh, wondering... Uh, no, 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 my friends. <coughs> that take came from the Mouchoir podcast. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. You're Some saying on this name. particular source may be misrepresenting himself? Is that what's happening here? Who's the source? Starts with a J. Ends with an osh. <laughs> This is who I saw say it on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah, he slight- may have had something to do with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. maybe slightly before the Mouchoir take, but I don't know that for sure. Um, do you think they're going... Obviously, they're going to run this week, the Red Blacks will, with Dominique Davis because he did have a good showing. His only two and out uh, of the game was his very first possession, and after that, managed to march pretty well. And I think that we believe the defense will rebound and be better again. Um, do you believe that they're going to be content with Davis, or will they look around for help at quarterback? That's It's a really good question because, personally, I mean, a lot of, of Red Blacks fans are a little leery on Dominic Davis because in 2019, We've he been was not good. Shit. We've been, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a toxic relationship. But he also didn't have an offensive coordinator in 2019. Mm-hmm. He had that horrible strategy of an offensive coordinating committee. Yeah. Did not work. Yeah. And, you know, I if, if Friday night's game is any indication of what Dominic Davis is capable of when he has a clear voice in his head of an offensive coordinator, a.k.a. the head coach, Paul Apolise, mm-hmm. he was much better. He's still a little shaky. Yep. And he still makes weird decisions. Yep. But he drove the field better than... He, he helped the Red Blacks drive the field better than they have at any point this season. And he helped them put up better offensive numbers than they have at any point this season. Mm-hmm. And he helped them score bar. three times the number of offensive touchdowns <laughs> uh, that they had scored throughout the rest of the season. Yes, so, true. And I realize we're only in week five, but still. <laughs> I think he's earned a chance to further prove himself. Right. Give him a game. I hate to ruin the season for your Red Blacks fans, but I really don't think the playoffs are happening. Isolate this and clip me if you want. I hope I'm wrong, but I really don't think that... Don't worry, fans. I got it. I got yeah. this clipped. Give it a couple games. I know it's a shortened season. Give Dominic Davis a couple games, and then if this is still happening, I say you go and get Masoli. Mm-hmm. 100%. Josh raised that to me a couple right before... I think I want to say it was like week three. And he just says it to me and then walks away. <laughs> And I was like, what? Mic drop. And and my brain exploded because I was like, well, of course. Yeah. Jeremiah Mazzoli lost the starting job. That Hamilton has has made a decision that Dane Evans is their guy. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah Mazzoli is a fantastic quarterback. Yeah. And his trade value is never going to be higher. So Hamilton should want to capitalize on that this season. I don't know what the Red Blacks can give up. Um, and in in terms of what is going to be comparable, but I think that conversation should be happening. Do you think? Uh, 
is the Matt Nichols era over? Like if uh, Dominique Davis, one. if yeah, exactly, if Dominique Davis plays a week or two or three weeks and it's not any better, you know, are they going to go back to Matt Nichols or like have you seen enough to go that arm is shot and this is done? No disrespect to Matt Nichols, but I've seen enough. Okay. And and his he's not he's clearly hurt. Yeah. His arm is not functioning properly. And when you're a quarterback, that's kind Seems of important. important. Yeah. And it's it's hurting his confidence because he's he's throwing to his first look. Yes. He's you know, one thing about Dominic Davis is he ran through his progressions. He looked at his route and he looked at his options. And defenses have a harder time with that. But you know what defenses can solve really freaking easily? When you throw to the first place you look. <laughs> And and I again, it's no disrespect to Matt Nichols as a person, but like I think his he was injured and that hurt his confidence. And when you when you are shaken and you don't have great confidence, you don't feel comfortable in the pocket and you can't do your job properly. Didn't help that the O line did him no favors no. in the first couple of games, but the the sacks that he was getting just crushed. That he got f- sacked five times yes. in the first game. Yes. But I noticed that as the games went on, I mean, he still continued to get sacked, but it wasn't always the O line's fault. That's right. I think it was game two or three where he had six sacks, and I I remember thinking to myself because that it was no it was game three because it was it was the first game at TD Place, and I remember thinking to myself, three out of those six sacks were one hundred percent on Matt Nichols yeah. because he had the three to five seconds in the pocket that you need, yep, and he couldn't do anything with it, and that's on him. Uh, and, and again, I'm not like wishing ill on him. I no. just think that friend of the show, we love the guy. And he's clearly not playing it's not up. He's, he'd probably be the first to tell you he's not playing up to the p- point where he would like to, right? There's always that awful scene that's like come six, seven, eight minutes after the substitution and they show the starting quarterback <laughs> sitting by himself. And you're like, why do you do it? Why do you I put know, that up on my so screen? Like, um, outside of Ottawa and the train wreck that this season, we're going to need to see a rapid change on to for them to pull out of. Who else is standing out to you? Saskatchewan was the only undefeated team left standing, and Winnipeg took a swipe at that and said, no, that's done. Uh, what else has been noteworthy to you thus far into the season? I mean, it's it's week five. Um, that's more than a third of the way through the season right now, the way things are going with this shortened year. Yeah, I mean, Saskatchewan's definitely there. Um, they were, th- this past week was not good no. <laughs> and, and Cody Fajardo would be the first person to tell you that, yep. but they were undefeated on the season. And I thought they looked really good. Cody Fajardo is just a really entertaining quarterback to watch. And, and when I said this on the podcast this week, when Saskatchewan is either Which podcast really good, is that, by the way, yeah, it's Mouchoir, a red blacks podcast. Thank you. Um, when, when Saskatchewan is either really good or really bad, it's good for the league. Because yes. it's, it's it's the biggest franchise. When they have blunders, they are of epic proportions. I am familiar and- <laughs> with the phenomenon, Michaela, of being the most watched team in the league that has epic blunders from time to time. <laughs> yeah. The only difference is Saskatchewan will win occasionally. Stop. Yes. Stop. <laughs> it wasn't funny anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm so ending this joke. <laughs> when they're really good, I think it's also entertaining. And I speak, I, I speak as a completely unbiased. I don't care about the Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans right. other than I see their jerseys and shirts everywhere. <laughs> um, but when they're good and when, when they're really good, I think it's good for the league. Uh, Winnipeg is obviously just they're Winnipeg, yeah. right? Like they're, they, they're the defending <laughs> Grey Cup champions. I know, I know that doesn't often 
roll off the tongue. Especially but two years away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, they're defending Grey Cup champs, and uh, I, I still think they're fantastic. It's it's nice to see Zach Caleros have some success, and, mm-hmm. and he's looked really good. And, you know, I, I said this before, but I think if anybody benefited from a year and a half off, it was Zach Caleros who was recovering from concussions. So right. yeah. anytime someone goes down with a concussion and comes back, it's – it's a good a good scene, um, as is tradition. The East is not good. It's not good. Like Hamilton's at number one, and they're two and two. Yeah. And I realize it's we're early on, but it is a shortened season, and this is a quarter of the way through it. So it's not great for them. <laughs> um, and then you look at the West, where like Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. I guess are, if we're being fair, though, the East was loaded up for road games early in the season, right? Very true. Yeah. Very true. I'm with you. The East is not strong, which is often the case, but they've had the tougher schedule to start. Yeah. No, that's a a really good point. And, you know, it it feels like this is often a conversation, and I think, you know, things will course correct because I have seen flashes from Toronto that I've really liked, Mm -hmm. and and both with um, McLeod, Bethel Thompson, and Nick Arbuckle. So I think they've got a really good one-two punch there that, you know, if they could, they're a little inconsistent. So if they could solve some of those issues, I think, I think they'd be really good. Not going to be hard to make the playoffs here in the East. So it's someone's going to That's why like, I'm, I'm not really confident when I say the Red Blacks aren't going to make the playoffs. It's highly unlikely. Right. But like, it's not out of the realm of freaking no, possibility. No, you beat Montreal this week and all of a sudden your record's two and three and you're, you're in it again. Yeah. Right. Like they, I, they won the great cup when they were eight and nine. Yes. So. Like anything's possible in this league, um, but yeah. How about you? Any, anything standing out to you? Well, that's it to me. Montreal has been the one that's been the most interesting. Um, they're kind of the the wild card here in the East Division. I, I assumed Hamilton would run away with the division, kind of thing. Uh, two and two to start doesn't suggest that, but again, the schedules have been a little bit rough. I didn't know what to make of Montreal. Right? Like, was VA going to be you know, what he, he showed flashes of in 2019. And, um, we've seen pieces of that and, and we, we saw what they put up 50 points against Ottawa. Um, Ottawa was supposed to be this great defense and this mediocre offense. And all of a sudden Ottawa started to score and couldn't defend worth a shit. So to me, that stands out a little bit. Uh, the quarterback carousel in BC has been interesting. We'll see if that's going to settle down and Mike Riley can start like being relied upon to be the guy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And obviously Calgary, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what to make of them yet because they haven't been healthy at the, uh, at the quarterback position either. So mm-hmm. it's been a really strange start to the season. And I don't know that I know a whole lot more now than I thought I did going in. And, and AJ Jackie Beck was on the show back in early August to talk about it. And he kind of said the same thing. Like it's kind of a fool's bet to gamble on anything going into this CFL season after a year off. We all kind of look at the names that we think we know and go, well, that should happen and that should happen, but you don't know anything. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm that much more convinced than I was five weeks ago about anybody, to be honest with you, other than the fact that um, Montreal and Ottawa are going to be battling for, for to stay out of the bottom of this division. And I was blown away by what happened on Friday in terms of that blowout. And at the same time, it wouldn't shock me to see 
Ottawa come back and and take that back uh, on the road this weekend. So, yeah, you were just as shocked as Vernon Adams Jr. <laughs> like I, I think even he was like, like he got emotional in yeah, his post game. I didn't know that his... this was going to happen. I needed this for my confidence. Like, yeah, that's great, buddy. Thanks so much. Right? Yeah, yeah, really. I'm glad we could be a part that of that. Wound. Yeah. yeah, at least the Red Blacks are helping <laughs> other people. It makes me feel all warm and yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting rest of the season. So we'll, we'll just, you know, we've been through worse guys. Two and 16. Have, have we? Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. Two and 16 sucked. That whole thing. Yes. No, you're <laughs> and, right about that. But at least it was entertaining. Like they played really entertaining football. Yes. I can't say the same thing about Not 2019. No. Um, and at least in, in Friday night's game, it was entertaining. I will give them that. Like, you know, getting scored on 50. Freaking one point oh, is going to be entertaining, but like it was, it was a good offensive game for them. So, so I'm, you know, I'm feeling us, a little bit. Give us a prediction there, Screeds. What's going to happen this weekend? I mean, they're playing BC. BC's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I mean, BC beat them by I think it was twenty four to twelve. So they doubled them up, but that was with Matt Nichols. That was not with Dominic Davis. And BC's defense is nothing it's, to write home about. No, you're so right. But to be. Like we were all so down on Davis, and now we're like, please give me more Davis. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, so, it's funny how it's that so happens, weird. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna say it's gonna be a close game. There's oh, my prediction. Oh, thank you for riding the fence on that one. <laughs> yep. Hey, I'm a jinx man. You know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I do know this about you. Yeah. Um, one thing I know you wanted to hit on was uh, kind of some shocking news in the sports world this week with uh, Chris Johnson leaving Sportsnet ah, and heading to the Toronto Star. Almost forgot about this. Um, glad you brought it up, though, because to me, Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman on Saturday night, uh, second intermission, used to be for a lot of people, the first intermission Saturday night, coach's corner uh, before Don kind of lost his shit a little bit uh and maybe he didn't maybe we all just evolved around him i i don't know maybe dawn never changed i have no idea but the second intermission for the last year or two this this saturday headlines with friedman and uh and chris johnston uh teed up by ron mclean and it was sort of this insiders segment and and friedman's talked about it a bunch of times on his own podcast there the 31 thoughts podcast that for the last two or three days of the week it was like, uh, I need to have something like I need to have a story for Saturday night and not just like a weak kind of rumor, like something that'll get people talking. This Saturday night segment is supposed to be something. And, and CJ had the same and he's gone. He tweeted out on Tuesday morning that he was going to be working for the Toronto star. And I'll be honest with you. And I, I've got this up on, on our Twitter the way he first announced it was that my writing will now be appearing at the Toronto star. And he wrote a great article. Um, it looked a lot like one of those, why I'm joining the athletic articles, but spelt the athletic wrong or something. Uh, but he'd had this long relationship and had long been a fan of the Toronto star sports section. And he was happy to go there, but it said specifically in his tweet, you'll find my writing at, the Toronto Star. And I'm going, wow, wow, that's going to be a loss for sportsnet.ca in terms of his writing. And then, like, late in the day, Sportsnet puts out this tweet wishing him well and thanking him for his time at Sportsnet. And at that point, I was sort of like, oh, man, he's leaving completely. I, I guess there was a part of me at first 
the way he specified my writing will be found at the Toronto Star that assumed he would still be on TV at Sportsnet. But when they wished him well and sent him on his way, it became obvious to me this was going to be a monumental loss. And uh, I don't know, because we have a bunch of broadcasters on this show all the time. I think they know how I feel about most of them specifically. This is a blow Sportsnet cannot afford. Their hockey coverage, despite being the national rights holder, hasn't been rock solid. Chris Cuthbert is fantastic. Elliot Friedman is fantastic. Chris Johnston is still fantastic, but was fantastic for them and is now gone. Bob McKenzie on TSN is into semi-retirement. I don't think the Canadian broadcasting community has produced anywhere near the names and the, the reliable guys that we're comfortable with at the rate that we used to. And I was blown away to see that CJ is leaving Sportsnet completely, um, you know, for the hits that he drew, you know, as an insider, as a reporter for the Leafs, as a second intermission guy for Hockey Night in Canada. It's a huge loss for them. Yeah, I, this, it, it, it shocked me, but at the same time, it kind of didn't. And, and the only, the first thing that popped into my head when I saw this was Bruce Arthur, Mm -hmm. who made the shift from sports writing. And now he was always been with the Toronto Star on, on some capacity. Um, but he was often with TSN on the reporters and, yep. and he shifted more into writing, uh, regularly for the star. I think he, he started full time and then he shifted from writing about sports to, uh, COVID and, yes. and has basically been covering COVID and, and it, it felt to me like he was shifting into something that was just more his style and, and that, that, you know, he loved sports, but he loved this more. And with CJ, I I kind of got the vibe that as much as he loved broadcasting, he really liked writing. Yeah, like whenever he wrote something, it was really really good with Sportsnet. Yep, and you know, and I I, I will admit I I spend more time listening to CJ when he does interviews than I like. Obviously, I watch him every Saturday, but like I feel like I. I and understand him a little bit more when I listen to he, he's on the Steve Dangle podcast all the time, mm-hmm. and you get a little more time to like understand his thought processes. And it seemed like he was kind of digging the writing thing, yep. and and I felt like this. When was he was kind a Canadian a, press guy before Sportsnet, yep. he was always a writer first. Yeah, and you can dig more into things. And the Toronto Star, I know, has they've always had pretty good sports yes, coverage for a newspaper. Yep, right because like. I, I, it, it's often hard. The Globe and Mail, for example, has horrendous sports yes. coverage. Um, but, you know, they are Canada's leading newspaper. But the, the star. Number of fronts. Yeah. <laughs> the, the star has always prioritized sports coverage. So I think this is a place where CJ can really, you know, dig his teeth in on certain things. And he's not bound by being tied to the NHL's I think leading broadcaster. That is a crucial point yeah. that Which, when we've saw the work that Rick Westhead has done recently oh. when not tied to the national broadcaster and maybe that's part of it right like maybe CJ did want to be out from under that umbrella a little bit I, I, I'm speculating but I did think like you that his passion for writing would be better served at the star than at sportsnet.ca but then maybe they would hold on to him as a TV personality. And that tweet by Sportsnet PR wishing him well 
definitely did not paint that picture, right? Like it seems like he's gone and, and not working for them at all. And maybe that's because he feels his writing would be compromised or whatever by still being tied to the national rights holder uh, for the league. I, I don't know that. I'm speculating a little bit. But like you said, in terms of writing, you can dig far deeper um, working for the star than you can for, for sportsnet.ca. I, I just, I think this is a huge blow for their coverage in general, which was already, and honestly, I always felt TSN's coverage was better than Sportsnet's, and even it's it's not the same as Ray Ferraro's leaving and Bob's cutting way back in semi-retirement. There's lots of stuff that the TSN main network is doing that I don't love anymore, and I just feel like the there's something about, despite the fact that this is the most hockey-crazy country in the world, that is not producing, you know, Gord Miller is awesome. Chris Cuthbert is awesome. And they're well into their careers. Who's the 32-year-old broadcaster getting a shot at, you know, the national scene? You know, on CFL, on TSN, they've got two. Uh, and you're going to have to help me here because I've... Marshall wa- Ferguson. He's been terrific coming up. And, you know, a former, um, you know, CIS player i know that u sports player for him but there's also a guy out of edmonton nielsen uh and i forget his first name and he's getting some reps uh doing play-by-play on national games like they seem to be developing people who is that guy for hockey on either network like we're not seeing young up-and-coming guys that are being groomed to be the next chris cuthbert or gord miller or bob cole or whoever your guy is and on the panel it seems to be kind of the same as some of these guys retire and disappear. They're not great broadcasts right now. Yeah, it's it's tough in Canada, right? Where people are going to watch no matter what. Yes. So where's the motivation? And and listen, like full disclosure, I work for TSN. So I'm I, trying not to talk you into a corner. Yeah. <laughs> these are my I, opinions. That I and, for one welcome our Bell Media overlords. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you, Bell. Yes. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's not like there's not impartial with Like this. Cheryl Pounder's been terrific on TSN and, yeah, broadcasts, as is Jen Botterill. Kevin Biexo was really good. But this is Canada. Every panel, every broadcast team, every play-by-play team, it should be stacked. And it's just not. And it's guess thin. what? ESPN is stealing mm-hmm. people. <laughs> yep. So that's a problem. Cassie Campbell already signed on with yep. ESPN, as well as Ray Ferraro. Like, it's not getting better right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things where, you know, because it's Canada, there's people are going to watch. It's like, <laughs> sorry. It's like the Leafs. Yeah. People are going to show up no matter what. So where's the motivation to make the team better? It's the last Leafs joke. I promise. I promise. I promise. That wasn't fun. I didn't love I'm sorry. that. But it was like low hanging. I know. I know. Um, well, I think that about wraps up today's show, Matt. What, anything else you wanted to hit on? I'm drinking an extra several pints out of your new keg there in th- a couple th- of weeks. <laughs> now that you've taken an extra swipe at the leaves. Yes. <laughs> I just can't, I can't help it. I know. It's That's all, all or right. nothing. That's all right. Have you settled yet on a, Oh, I think we did this last time. You have decided on your first, uh, your first keg for the, I have, I have, and it's going to be a surprise. And I think I'm going to try. I'm not going to guarantee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be pouring one Ooh, for next week's show. Yes, I like that. But it's that. dependent on a few things. Okay. So 
Okay. Stay tuned, folks. You might have to might have to be hooking I'm that one. I'm still planning a to skirt my way out to uh, the the boons there of Almont, Almonte, Almonte, Almont, if you will, Almonte, and and, uh, and get my piece of that. Absolutely, and and we will owe you several for all the questions that we sent your way about <laughs> about kegerators. But uh, stay tuned for next week, folks, where yes. uh, you'll may you may or may not find mm. out what beer I am drinking from my first keg. Love this. But that about does it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TallCanAudio, Facebook.com slash TallCanAudio. You can find me on Twitter at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. And you can find my craft beer takes, which are just pictures. All beer is good. Um, at Crafted in the Capital on Instagram. And we will see you next time on Tall Can Audio. Peace. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching TallCanAudio on your favorite podcast app.